0: blog talk radio glam more fearless diabetes late night I'm ready to welcome you to August's Diabetes Late Night. I just could not turn off that record. <laughs> we had to let it keep playing. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and tonight we're focusing on anger and diabetes with musical inspiration from Evelyn Champagne King, courtesy of Sony Music. Now, you may think that uh, anger and 80s dance music by Evelyn Champagne King have nothing in common but I'd like to disagree because I I deal with my own anger issues by dancing around, especially to Evelyn's music, including that song "Shame" that I just played. It uh it always makes me want to dance, and it helps me get off uh some let out some steam. And also, let's be honest for a minute. Uh, few, di- few diseases carry the same feelings of shame and blame as diabetes, and those negative emotions can make people with diabetes angry, and in turn neg- neg- negatively I was dancing them out of breath negatively impact the way you manage your diabetes. A recent survey of over 5,000 people with type 1 and type 2 diabetes revealed that people with type 1 diabetes experience more stigma than people with type 2 diabetes, and parents of children with type 1 diabetes experience the most stigma of all, and that stigma tends to increase the more intense or visible your diabetes care may be. Now, the stigma we're talking about that's associated with diabetes is the sense of failure or personal responsibility. Uh, I want you to know right now if you're experiencing any of those emotions, you're not alone, and we're here to help. That's why I've invited several experts to be on the show tonight to talk about this important topic of anger. Tonight we'll be talking to Dr. Bernard Golden, Dr. Lori Shemick, Lori Laria, Jill Knapp Woolsey, Susan Weiner, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, and Mama Rose Marie, along with poet Lorraine Brooks. In the meantime, maybe Evelyn Champagne King's music could help you blow off some steam like it just did for me. And we'll be featuring songs all night long from the Essential Evelyn Champagne King collection, courtesy of Sony Music. Plus, one of our lucky listeners tonight might just be an instant winner when we play our instant winner game with prize packet of uh, DivaBedic's giveaway prize packet could be up for grabs. So stay tuned for that. But before we get things started, let's take a minute to donate to Divabetic at Divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. It's time to hear one of the top 10 follow-up songs to that song "Shame" that Evelyn Champagne King released in the early 80s. Here we go. It's from the album Smooth Talk. Let's listen. Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedic, and I just discovered it's hard to host a podcast and dance at the same time. Hey, does anyone remember when I wore a pedometer for the entire show once to prove that you can be more active in everything you do during your day? Uh, if you want to check that out, plus there's a, another 100 free podcasts for you, all in the DivaBetic.org library on BlockTalk Radio or iTunes. Subscribe today. Later on the show, I'm going to be talking to a woman about her one hundred pound weight loss journey journey after being diagnosed with type two diabetes. She's also going to be sharing some tips about dealing with anger issues related to hitting a weight loss plateau. However, right now I want to talk about a few things that hopefully won't make you angry. <laughs> Our Diabetes late night audience is growing. Yes, six years later, and we're still going strong. We want to welcome all the folks tuning in tonight from Everyday Diabetes. Everyday Diabetes is an online information source for people with diabetes to provide them with the tools to succeed in life and reach their fullest potential. I also want to give a warm welcome to everyone at Diabetes. Daily. Uh, that community also tunes in on a regular basis. And I'm excited to announce that this Friday, August 12th, from 5 to 9 p.m., I will be celebrating the 35th anniversary of the release of Luther Vandross' very first album, Never Too Much, at the Angel of Harlem restaurant in New York City. There are going to be drink specials, music giveaways, and a music trivia contest hosted by yours truly. So if you're a Luther fan out there or you know a Luther fan, come on out, and uh, we're going to have a great time on Friday night. Finally, next month is our third annual Diabetes Mystery Theater podcast entitled Suspect Boulevard. It's on Tuesday, September 13th from 6 to 7 p.m. Tune in and help us solve a diabetes-related mystery involving dogs, dementia, and diamonds. Well, there's always one diamond on our podcast. She appears every month time to meet my first guest. So I'd like to call her the mistress of the spoken word. Please welcome the lovely Lorraine Brooks. Hello, Lorraine.
1: Good evening, Max.
0: How are you? Fantastic. You and I were jamming along to Evelyn Champagne in the green room just a little while ago. Are you oh, a fan?
1: I just sat down and poured myself a cold glass of water. I'm so sweaty from dancing around. <laughs>
0: I was rollerblading around you by the way. <laughs> I I think of Evelyn Champagne, I think of rollerblading. That's it's so funny. You know, it really brings back fun memories. You know,
1: I think of the of the hustle. I, I'm 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 probably uh, dating myself, but back in the day we used to do the hustle. That was the big dance and you always had to have a partner and um it was a wonderful thing. I I still remember uh being in the disco and and dancing to Evelyn Champagne King. So thank you for that little um from the past I love her music Yeah,
0: well this is our throwback diva month I wanted to tell everyone I'm totally into 80s dance music Always have been And uh, it's kind of fun to to throw it back And just, and turn some new listeners on To some fun music from our past You know, tonight <laughs> we're talking about Anger and diabetes And I really wanted to ask you, Lorraine uh, I don't know how you feel about this But I definitely feel like So many Americans are angry today And I'm just wondering what you think of that
1: um, I think it's true <laughs> i think that um there you know there there are so many things going on in our country and in the world that um that uh you know make people angry and the, the way that people respond to some things and and some people and some groups of people um I think there's a lot to you know there's a lot of um uh, ill feeling. There's a lot of ill will in the world today and in our country and I think that's why people are angry. I think they feel misunderstood or not not heard.
0: And also they, their sense of trust has been broken somewhere, you know, and uh, I think a lot of people are just really feeling distrustful. But I have to ask you like I have a theory that social media kind of plays into this because I feel like everyone's so glued to their phones and using all these games for entertainment that they never really spend any time alone, and they just seem so easily agitated in such short fuses because they're just not, um, I don't know, they just don't seem to have an attention span. I mean, I'm always fighting to get off my uh, devices because I just feel like I can't complete a a thought like tonight if I'm on them.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I think the the – I don't know. I have my own theories. I don't know if they're right or wrong. But I think the more you're exposed to something, the the, the likelier it is that you'll have um, you know, a reaction to it or that you'll that you'll be that uh, you, you'll get involved in it. So, the more we're exposed to all the, you know, Facebook posts and the Twitter things and whatever else is going on, um, the more likely we are to have a response you know the more likely we are to get angry or to have uh, feelings about it so i i i'm with you i, I often just uh, consciously avoid facebook for a day or two or i consciously you know won't go online for for a day or two um because i i don't I, i'm 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 kind of saturated with it and i don't want to get saturated because um, you know, there's there's nothing you can really do about other people and how they feel about things. So you just kind of have to, for me anyway, I, I just kind of have to keep a lid on it so I don't totally blow a gasket because it's easy to do that when you hear how other people think and, and uh, especially if they think in ways that, you know, feel disrespectful or, or harmful. You know, it, it really is um, It's a concern, and I think that people are right to be concerned about it.
0: So how do you deal with your own anger? Do you suppress it or do you uh let it out?
1: Oh, I just go around and smack people whenever I feel like it. <laughs> no, I I try, I try not to I I can't say I suppress my anger because I don't think that's really true. I don't I, I try not to suppress my anger because I think that you know, anger can be helpful in some ways, but what I try to do is control my behavior. I try to control the things I say and do, you know, I figure that just because I'm angry doesn't mean I have to behave a certain way uh, or that, that I have to say certain things. So I, I just kind of sit with my anger and, you know, kind of think it out. And, you know, sometimes I meditate. I'm big on meditating. And sometimes I just sit quietly and uh, or I take myself out of a situation, you know, if it's really bothering me. Uh, and that seems to work for me, especially with diabetes, I can't afford to get too emotional about many things because, it you know, it does have an effect on my blood sugar, so I try Yeah, not I was going to, to ask you, uh, like,
0: do you see an effect with that?
1: Yeah, I do. Actually, I do. When I, I notice that when I get agitated, uh, even in a good way, sometimes, you know, when I get agitated or I get uh, excited or I get afraid or I get... Uh, uh, angry or, you know, I get tense for for a period of time, yes, I do notice that my blood sugars will go up. For me, they go up. Um, I've heard other people say that they have drops in their blood sugar when that happens. But for me, my blood sugars go up. So I I, I try to, you know, keep my emotions in check or at least keep my response to my emotions in check.
0: Well, you know, I want to ask you one more question because I have an incredible poem that I love tonight that tackles this topic. But it seems to me when people have either extreme lows or highs, they do get angry, especially if someone is trying to help them. It comes off as anger. It might not be anger. It's probably agitation, and we'll be talking to Susan Weiner and Patricia Addy-Gentle, our diabetes educators, tonight about this a little bit later. But, you know, have you ever experienced that where someone's trying you're experiencing a lower high and someone's trying to help you and you kind of come off much more aggressive or angry than you might have thought? I, I know you're not thinking completely clear at that moment, but I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that because I know a lot of people who are on the other side of receiving it get real, aren't really sure how to handle that.
1: For me, it's more frustrating than it is angry. I, I think I get frustrated when people I know mean well but may not understand what's happening. I've had people when I'm having a uh, a low blood sugar, I've had people say, you know, do you need me to get your insulin? Uh, I've had people when I'm having a high blood sugar say, oh, let me get you some orange juice, you know. So I think that uh, I think that a lot of people just don't understand what's what's physically or physiologically happening with you and I don't think they understand that 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 physiological um thing that's happening can also cause you to behave in certain ways so that's part of it and then the other part for me is I just get frustrated that because for me I I I think <laughs> that I handle my diabetes fairly well i think i handle it pretty well so if i'm doing something um i know that i'm doing something that i should be doing in that moment and when someone else doesn't understand it i don't want to have to explain it in that moment because i need to do what i need to do in that moment and i don't want to have to go into a whole lot of details about why i'm doing it so for me it's just more frustrating it's just you know I just have to do this and let me just do it. And, you know, if you want to talk about it tomorrow, that's fine. But I can't really respond in the moment because, um, you know, that that's just how I operate. I just, I micromanage things. And um, people don't always understand what that means.
2: I don't
0: Absolutely. What that means. No, I, 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 I agree. and I, I, I think that's probably handling it the best way is kind of coming back after you know, the the experience is over and kind of talking everyone through it so they know exactly what was going on. Because obviously, in the moment, you're treating a higher low blood sugar. You're not really uh, able to sit down and, and talk through it. But I'll be talking to Dr. Bernard Golden in a minute, uh, who's a, an author who's written a lot about anger, about this topic. However, Lorraine, you did really knock this one out of the park. I, I had the for, good fortune listeners of, of reading it ahead of time. And I love the way you tackle diabetes and anger tonight. I'd really love you to share your poem with our listeners now, uh, Bittersweetness.
1: Thank you very much, Max. I have diabetes that's generally known, and sometimes there's cause for concern. When others assume that what I have shown is reason for them to be stern, So what makes me angry occasionally is questioning my food decisions. It's when people judge, even well-meaningly, and then look at me with derision. It's when doctors give me a guilt-making talk as if I have failed in my dealing. It's when people think that they're walking the walk, but they don't understand how I'm feeling, I often get angry when numbers don't jive in spite of the effort I'm making, when blood sugars rise to 205 and my carb counting may be mistaken. Or how about not being able to lose any weight even though I am trying? I try all the diets, I end up confused, and sometimes I just feel like crying. I never would choose this the way that I live, because of the changes required. And I can get angry and cannot forgive, and I can get real sick and tired. Counting and checking and eating or not, cooking and shopping and staying aware, trying to balance the changes I've got, and making the most of my need for health care, I know that some people will not understand that sometimes I'm hurt and I'm scarred. But all I can say is respect who I am and know that some days it's just hard. So walk in your beauty and walk in your pride and use all your anger as fuel. It's not always easy to be on this ride and people can often be cruel but also don't let people stand in your way and don't let yourself get unwound. Even if you're not feeling completely okay, get off of the merry-go-round. Focus, be thoughtful, and give it your best because that's all you really can do. Let go of your anger and feeling depressed. Stand up and enjoy being you.
0: Before you go, I just want to ask, what was it like writing that poem? There's so many specific things you focused on around anger and then, you know, the way you ended it about really talking about what's, what works for you, know, what has worked for you and giving advice to others. I'm, I'm just curious, like, was this an easy poem to write or was it one of the more difficult and challenging ones?
1: Yeah, I think it was one of the more difficult and challenging ones because um, because it's so true, you know. There's so many ups and downs on a day-to-day basis and so many things that you have to deal with that people really don't understand and that you yourself don't understand sometimes, you know. And um, uh, it, it was hard because it was very heartfelt for me because I've been through all of those feelings over the course of the last I've had this thing for 35 years. So over the course of the last 35 years, I've pretty much felt, all of those things. And when I sit down to write, you know, they all come back and they all kind of come flooding in, and I have to sort of separate the ones that I can use from the ones that I can't use and try to keep, you know, balanced in my own world while I'm writing about things that really affect me personally. So, yeah, I'd have to say it was one of the more difficult ones.
0: Well, you did an incredible job. I know I'm going to be taking specific moments out of it and asking Dr. Bernard Gold, the uh, author of Overcoming Destructive Anger, about this, as well as Dr. Lori Schimmick, who's going to be on later on the show. Lorraine, thank you again for being on the show. Thanks for uh, sharing these words. I hope everyone heard them and feels like you're not alone if you've experienced them. And always when you open your heart, it just does such a good job here at Diabetes Late Night. Thank you, Lorraine.
1: Thank you, Max, and I'll be listening to the rest of the show to hear what people have to say. Thank you. All
0: right, because I've got more Evelyn Champagne King. I don't know if you knew this, Lorraine, but she was actually discovered singing at the age of 15 in the bathroom at the Philly International Records where her parents worked as, as the maintenance crew. Now, I don't know about you listeners, but I've been cleaning my bathroom for years, and no one has ever discovered me, so I don't know what's going on with that. But let's take a listen to one of my favorite songs by Evelyn Champagne King, courtesy of Sony Music. Because to Dive's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek, and this month is Throwback Diva Month, so we're playing Evelyn Champagne King. Make sure to pick up your copy at Sony Music. It's time to meet my next guest. I told you a little bit earlier about him. He's the author of the book, Overcoming Destructive Anchor. Please welcome Dr. Bernard Golden. Hello, Dr. Bernard.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: That's our studio audience is very excited to meet you tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. I, I heard your podcast on the Power the power podcast that was shared on Diabetes Daily, and uh, that's a great thing. I hope people will check that podcast out. I just want to cut right into this because I, I, I know um, I read your book, Overcoming Destructive Anger. We're going to talk a little bit about healthy anger. I think that's really interesting. But my first question is really um, – why why are so many ang- so many Americans angry today?
2: For a variety of reasons i I hear people talking about a lack of job opportunities or, or the inequity in uh, income uh and very often anger is a reaction to inner pain, and so we could find a lot of uh people to blame at times, but we're feeling threatened, and uh anger is a part. One part threat and one part feeling some other inner pain, feeling ignored, discounted, powerless.
0: And I'm sure when you're living with diabetes, it even complicates things. So there are a couple of things um, related to diabetes that I wanted you to address where I think the anger is. I could be uh, wrong, listeners, but sometimes I'm right. So we'll just see if you agree or disagree with me, Dr. Bernard. Sure. Um, a lot of people seem to be angry because there's so many misconceptions about uh, the public regarding diabetes. Another, and one of those big ones would be this, the, the lack of understanding the difference between type 1 and type 2. But I personally think that probably the biggest issue, or, or two of the biggest issues, are the fact that most, of, most people assume that managing your diabetes is easy, And that also they kind of put this blame on you like you did it to yourself. And then I think finally there's a lot of self, there's a lot of anger directed towards yourself about why did you let this happen? And it seems like to me like those are some of the biggest issues I've seen on Facebook from our community and people writing in and also preparing for this show. What are your thoughts on that?
2: I think there is a lot of shaming. For diabetes and and the idea of, of health in general, when things aren't going the way we think they should be going, we will, people will blame blame us. People will blame others, and so that's hard not to hear. Not it's hard to listen to, and to make sure that we aren't internalizing that. But there is shaming for a variety of illnesses, including diabetes. You should have could have done these other things, and what happened. And so that's something to be alert to, to be mindful to, both both in terms of inner dialogue, shaming ourselves, which is a form of anger, as well as hearing that kind of uh, criticism from others.
0: So what do you do? Because, you know, there's also a lot of posting on Facebook about people who are checking their blood sugars or... Um... Giving injecting insulin out in public, and people have a very the the general public has a very quick reaction to that, and usually it's vocal or very visible uh, negative reaction to it. So if someone's experiencing that, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to counter attack, so to speak, and come right back with an educational a teaching moment, or are they supposed to ignore it? I'm just curious. Like, how do you turn something like that, where you're taking care of yourself? and someone's kind of reacting in a very negative way, how do you turn that anger into healthy and allow you to continue to want to manage your care in the best way possible?
2: I think the challenge is to be assertive, and that might mean being compassionate as well as self-compassionate. I don't think that in the moment uh, someone with diabetes has to take on the role of educator, uh, just firmly saying that I'm taking care of myself. Um, and if the person is close and wants to talk more about that, then talking about it, but the pressure to then give a background of the uh, the illness and at that moment, I'm not sure that that is helpful as well as, as much as being just assertive and saying, I'm taking care of myself. This is what I need to do.
0: And just shut someone down right there?
2: Right, right. And again, being open to discuss something, but, but uh, if they're having some aversion to it, then Maybe wanting to talk about it If you're with someone close If not, then uh, shutting it down there
0: Now um, I'm calling you Dr. Bernard But you're Dr. Bernard Golden But I always call my doctors by their first name Because we're all friendly here at Diva uh-huh. uh, You heard Lorraine's poem She kind of outlined several specific things In that poem About what makes her anger angry And then kind of at the very end Talked about how she gets through it How she manages it how, how what did your what were your feelings on that? Was she on point with it, or what were your thoughts about how do you how she was tackling this uh, issue of anger uh, regarding her diabetes?
2: I thought the poem I'll right away let you know I thought it was beautifully expressed in terms of addressing the wide range of issues dealing with diabetes, and clearly. She's someone who has learned to pause rather than react to those feelings, to think through, do I need to react, Uh, to think through what perhaps, and this is maybe another step, is what perhaps is the feeling behind my anger? Am I feeling discounted? Am I feeling disrespected? Uh, Also, anger is about a key desire. It might be a key desire for connection with someone or recognition or simply respect. And, but the the poem really addresses a, a wide range of range of reactions and feelings that go through uh, having this kind of uh, illness.
0: So talk to me a little bit more about this pause and react. So in the heat of the moment, of feeling like um, I'm out I'm out at my favorite <laughs> restaurant. With Susan and Patricia, Patricia, those are our educators. Patricia looks at me and says something's a little wrong. I decide to check my blood sugars, and right across the aisle from me is, are, is a couple, and they stop what they're doing and just start to get disgusted at the fact that I'm pulling out my meter. And I see them say, why does he have to do that right now? And now I'm at the point of reacting. So you're saying I should pause for a minute?
2: The pausing for a minute takes practice. Uh, Anger is in our our bodies, and so it actually involves practicing relaxing our bodies on a daily basis, doing a body scan, feeling what it feels like to be relaxed as much as we can in our muscles. Clearly, when there's a change in blood glucose levels, you're going to feel tension, but rehearsing, getting some body relaxing, because when we calm the body, we can then calm the mind to think through whether or not we want to respond rather than just react to the feeling, and if someone is making that kind of comment again, then we can pause and also identify okay, my anger is more about me than it is the situation. What am I feeling behind my anger? Am I feeling ridiculed? Am I feeling uh disrespected discounted, and then you get to decide do you wanna say something, which, uh, how constructive can I be if I'm in the mode of anger versus understanding and calming myself?
0: Okay, and then I have one more scenario for you. What about the couple that's been married for like over 20 years and the wife has seen her husband, uh, when they were married he didn't have diabetes, he's developed, he had we're, I'm just going to generalize. Everyone could send me hate mail at Mr. at gmail.com if they want to after this. But let's just assume he had made some uh, poor lifestyle choices, and because of that, or and several other reasons, we all know that he developed type two diabetes. And then he's, he's not really managing his diabetes, and he starts to develop complications. And at some point when the wife wants to go on the cruise to celebrate their anniversary, she can't, because instead she's in and out of the hospital with her husband who's experienced complications. How does she manage that anger, the anger she has at, at what's going on in her relationship?
2: identifying behind the anger what is it i'm really looking for connection uh am i not able to mourn that my expectation of what i thought this relationship would be like how i envisioned our marriage and the opportunities that we would have to spend together that that now becomes unrealistic holding on rigidly to that expectation only fuels the anger and so there there Part of that letting go of the anger involves mourning or grieving that those kinds of expectations and uh, less rigidly holding on to them. And it involves uh, compassion for one's, her husband as well as for herself, that in a sense she's, having to, uh, she's suffering too in terms of that expectation not being satisfied.
0: So it's really kind of like sitting back and kind of people have to really identify they are they do have anger right that's like the right. first step and then kind uh-huh. of move through it and begin to ask how is the how is the anger serving them right
2: right how is it serving me what is, what is it distracting me from when we're angry we're less uh, available to recognize the pain that we're having.
0: The, the feeling isolated. And how do isolated. they turn that finally, um, Doctor Bernard Golden? How do they turn that into healthy anger? How do you how do you how how do you create healthy anger?
2: Healthy anger means observing and experiencing anger without being overwhelmed or reacting to it. It involves looking at anger as the very signal to turn your attention inward to understand my feelings, my expectations, my key desire that I'm feeling is threatened. And it's a process that takes uh, practice. Anger is a habit. It's a habit in thinking and feeling. And it isn't easy, but it takes practice in terms of, as I mentioned, doing relaxation exercises or daily doing an emotional pulse check. And I suggest to people a few minutes each day. Ask yourself, what am I feeling? Many people are very much out of touch with identifying specific feelings. The more you practice that, then you can identify them when you're angry. And identifying those feelings behind the anger is another way of reducing the intensity of it. I include in my book, and it's available elsewhere, a kind of an anger log, so people could, when they're calm, review the episodes that they've had and better understand their hot buttons and their patterns of thinking that make them more vulnerable to anger.
0: No, I love that and I also love um the moment you talked about self-compassion in the book and I felt like Lorraine's poem captured at the end when she kind of says it's okay if you're not feeling okay about it to get off the merry-go-round and focus be thoughtful. And give it your best. She's really kind of talking a little bit about this idea of self-compassion. I, are you, you? There really is a lack of it out there, right? We just don't. We don't give ourselves uh, enough <coughs> compassion.
2: It's so much easier. All, all the years I've been practicing, clients are much easier being compassionate with others than with themselves. Uh, we overfeel. We often feel that it's self-indulgent rather than being kind to ourselves, recognizing when we are. Uh, feeling under the weather, recognizing that we need attention, and that's okay. Being less judgmental about our thoughts and feelings and just observing them as as we're experiencing them. Uh, That also helps us accept, in a sense, our humanity. We feel less isolated, and I think that's key also for dealing with anger regarding diabetes, is to accepting it and self-compassion will help you feel. Other people suffer. We all suffer in different ways and it helps accept our own humanity when we're self-compassionate.
0: All right, we should tell everyone the book is Overcoming Destructive Anger. I'm talking to Dr. Bernard Golden. You have a website, AngerManagementEducation.com, that people could visit. I'll also be blogging about it. Dr. Golden, thank you so much for being a part of the show and helping us address this important topic in diabetes.
2: Thank you again for having me.
0: And put on your dancing shoes, Dr. Golden, because in 2004, Evelyn Champagne King's song Shame became the first record to be inducted in the Dance Music Hall of Fame. However, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to nominate this record I'm going to play for you next, courtesy of Sony Music. It's called If I, I'm in Love. <laughs> Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diabetic, and I'm in love with friendly, happy diabetes educators. I get to work with two of the best. Please welcome Patricia addy Gentle from Atlanta, Georgia, to the show. Hello, Patricia. Hi, Max. How are you? Good. Thank you for shaking your groove thing right there. And <laughs> the A A D E Educator of the Year, Susan Weiner from Long Island. Hello, Susan.
3: Hey, Max! thanks so much for having me.
0: I love the hula hoop. You guys were really jamming to that song with me, and I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, you're, I, I wanted to mention your title because is this? you never give up your title. It's not, we're going to be talking to a beauty contestant a little bit later who lost 100 pounds, but you are the AADE Educator of the Year for 2015?
3: Yes, that's right. I am.
0: So this year, so now you're, you're getting ready to go to the AADE conference. It's coming up, isn't it, in San Diego in a uh, little while?
3: Actually, I'm leaving tomorrow morning
0: very early
3: for AADE in San Diego where I'm doing a couple of presentations. So I'm very excited about attending the conference this year.
0: And what what did it mean to be the educator of the year? I'm just curious before we talk about anger, and if you had one specific goal you were trying to accomplish during the year.
3: I I spoke in a number of different states throughout the United States to other diabetes educators, and actually my topic was on diabetes organization. Um, And the main goal is to spread the word of education in my voice through communication because we can give people with diabetes and their loved ones all the education in the world, but if we don't understand why they're having some issues with helping to manage their diabetes, whether it's anger lack of organization, judgmental views on the, as you were talking about, the meter during uh, dinner. Um, I, that's the most important thing to me, getting out there and being able to communicate well with people who have diabetes. So speaking to other educators about that was absolutely the highlight of 2015 for me.
0: You mean kind of breaking down the barriers and letting, and letting people with diabetes speak honestly to an educator to get help versus kind of, putting up a wall there that they can't really kind of lay down their hair, so to speak, right?
3: Absolutely. There is no education if there's not communication. And the only way to communicate is to listen. And if you become a better listener as a diabetes educator, then I think that we can really help a lot more people with diabetes. So that was my message.
0: All right, well, listen to this for a minute. <laughs> I'm only joking. No, mm-hmm. but I do want to get right to this anger issue. You're also a registered dietitian as well as a certified diabetes educator. Food is something a lot of people with diabetes are angry about. They feel a lot of registered dietitians, nutritionists, dietitians, only want to take the good food away from them and make them eat rabbit food. I've heard this for 11 years at, in various forms at di- different divabetic events and outreach um events that we're doing and I'm just curious what's your reaction to that and how could someone who's angry about food who has diabetes change their mood
3: And and you're you're absolutely right that is a very big problem and it does start with having diabetes and every time you go to a healthcare appointment you're getting some finger wagging by some people in the medical community even though we're just trying to help people with diabetes but it comes back to have you been following your diet are you counting your carbohydrates? Are you reading labels? Are you doing that? And then people with diabetes get angry because it, you, they don't get a break from ask, being, people being, you know, asking them if they're eating right and what they need to do. So that the judgment um, of people, whether it's your spouses, your coworkers, the healthcare team, even being judged by yourself, can really lead to anger. So I really think that we need to take a step back not ever present somebody with a diet to to follow with diabetes, but to, again, listen to what they're currently eating and along with them make very specific small step recommendations for changes so that your diet can improve and your mood will simply be better when your blood sugar is a little bit better. When your blood sugar, as Lorraine was saying, was too high or too low, you just don't feel great.
0: Okay, and hold that thought because I'm going to come right back to you. I want to just bring Patricia into this. Patricia, you've been a diabetes educator, registered nurse in Atlanta for a long time. You and I have spoken about acceptance, uh, accepting your diagnosis. It seems to me, and I'm curious to know what has happened in your patient population, a lot of people are angry and can't accept the diabetes just to begin with. Kind of like Susan's saying, it's like, you know, there's so much finger pointing that they just are so angry off the out of the gate, that they're not really hearing the education or even trying to accept this diabetes.
4: And that is so um, correct, uh, Max. Many people, just the diagnosis itself, Set, they set up defenses, and they start wandering and becoming angry about why me? Or they may have a, a family member, or a coworker, or someone that they have a close association with that they are, you know, watching, and they can see this person with lifestyle choices that are far worse in their mind than what their. Uh, what they have themselves. And so they're feeling like I don't understand why this person is walking around, does not have a diagnosis, weighs more than myself, or never exercises, eats terribly, and now they tell me I have diabetes. And it does set up a lot of defenses and feelings of anger.
0: And so what do you tell them?
4: Well, first, um They have to kind of take a step back and look over the situation and not so much dwell on why or feeling shameful about the why, but realize that this is what I have to deal with. You know, I'm testing my blood sugars. Here is the reality, and I see that the numbers are not within range, so I have to take control. I have to do better, uh, you know, develop my skills at better management, and I have to do what's necessary to stay healthy. And so with that being said, a lot of people um, are able to kind of calm down once they see the reality of what's actually happening in their life. And if you can have them to, um, you know, well, not not everybody, but a lot of people with type 2, and that's mainly what I deal with, are people with type 2 diabetes. Most of them, or a great number of them, have seen it in their family members. And if they can just take a look over... Um, at someone else who has had severe complications, and when they find that they don't want to go that route, sometimes that's a trigger. Sometimes they'll decide that I have to do better, or I, you know, or I'll end up with terrible outcomes. So uh, sometimes just sitting still, relaxing, um, letting things flow by for a few days, uh, especially. Uh, when you're called to uh, the bedside of someone in the hospital, that is definitely not the time to start doing diabetes education. You have to start there, but you cannot expect that person to have ears that will be in tune to what you're saying. You know, they're concentrating on why me? My kids are home. This is happening at home. I got to take care of this. I got to get out of here and get my car fixed, or whatever is on their mind at the time. So in that moment, it's kind of difficult. Uh, You know, I've heard a lot about communication and listening, and and those are the key points. When you're an educator, you have to be in tune to the feelings of that person.
0: Great. All right. Well, Susan, I want to come back to you because you mentioned organizing and uh, made me think that a lot of people don't organize around their diabetes or around their meal planning, because they're so angry, right? They don't want to. They're just so angry. They won't even focus on trying to make it better, and in, their, in a non-direct way, maybe they don't see that link. They might not even. They might not even want to become organized because it means accepting what's going on, and that means they have to kind of let go of the anger and start to pro, start to move forward.
3: That's a great way to put it, and it goes back to the term that the late great. Dr. Richard Rubin coined, which is diabetes overwhelmists, we're just overwhelmed with check your blood sugar and watch what you're eating and make sure you go food shopping to prepare your healthy meals and all the things that you need to do without diabetes taking a day off, that is very frustrating and it can make people angry. So organization does not need to happen all at once. And as a diabetes educator, I work with, my, with people who have diabetes and help them pick out one, maybe two things that they can work on in a very small way to start to get organized. It may be starting to keep a checklist of everything you need to do in the morning to help get you out the door for a really great diabetes day so that you'll feel great Um, and just writing things down so you don't put all that pressure on your brain. I go back to my line of taking the remembering out of the remembering by writing things down, give it all to the paper. So that makes you feel very accomplished when you can check those goals off a checklist, and then you may feel less angry and frustrated with your self-management behaviors for your diabetes, Little steps really do work. They do add up to big changes when it comes to organization.
0: Great advice. All right, divas. (laughs) Uh, Dance divas Martha Walsh, Evelyn Champagne King, and Linda Clifford formed a new super diva group, and they didn't invite us. I don't know what's going on. It's called the Ladies of Disco, and they released their first collaboration, the single Show Some Love, last year. But it's time to go back. To her roots and hear another classic by 11. Oh my goodness, everybody. Uh, L, L, Evelyn Champagne King, here's Back to Love, from courtesy Let's of. Get back. Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. I'm so tongue-tied tonight. This is like a great topic, anger and diabetes, and I'm going through a little bit of anger right now with all my mistakes, but hey, that's okay. Don't judge me, because if you're angry about being judged and those judgmental looks you get, my next guest is going to help us out. She's a best-selling author. I also follow her all the time on Twitter and Google+. She's amazing. Please welcome... Back to the show, Dr. Lori Shemek. Hello, Dr.
5: Laurie. Hi, Max. Thanks for having me back.
0: Oh, I always love having you on the show. You know, you. It's, so, it's so funny about this judging thing that goes on with diabetes. Uh, I, it seems like we all do it all the time without even knowing we're doing it judge other people. And yet, if someone's judging us, we just get so angry. You know, it's kind of funny that we Mm -hmm. do it, and Mm -hmm. then if if we're on the other side of it, we just completely lose it. I know for a long time I hated, I I personally had an issue with being judged. It just really drove me crazy.
5: Right. You know, we all do judge. And uh, unfortunately, type 2 diabetes is oftentimes shrouded with that the stigma of negative judgments, for example, from society, One's doctor, healthcare professionals, and it's actually often called the blame and shame disease, unlike other diseases. And this can make one angry, you know? So, not to mention also that diabetes is a demanding and controlling disease, as we've been listening to tonight. It means you have to pay attention, you have to make sure, you know, you're eating the right things, the blood sugar, everything needs to be in order. And so, Uh, there's so much discrimination out there, whether it's from the media, the healthcare professionals, even physicians can be judgmental about their patients, friends, families, your colleagues. So even well-meaning friends feel free to pass on silly, rude, and sometimes hurtful things. So it's you know, it's those people that really haven't had a chance to learn about diabetes who, unfortunately, are saying those things. Not to be rude, but it is hurtful to the person with diabetes.
0: So how do you get past that? How do you get past the resentment or or um, suppressed anger that comes up from feeling judged?
5: Well, you know, it's first of all, um, you want to absolutely have self-compassion, as you alluded to earlier. You know, having compassion for yourself is very, very important. And, you know, taking care of you, you have to take care of you first and foremost right now. No matter what stage of diabetes you're in, whether um, you're at the beginning or the very end and you're managing it perfectly, you have to let go of perfection. And you also have to know you're doing the very best you can. And be your own advocate, because who else is going to take care, care of you than you, better than you? So um, I remember when I was just starting out in business and somebody said, if you don't promote yourself, Lori, who else will? And the same thing is true. If you don't take care of your health, who will? And I actually had one man answer me on Twitter and he said, my wife. (laughs) So that wasn't the answer I was looking for. But you know what you want to do is you want to create empowerment. And what you want to do is release the fear of judgment this is one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves your value will never decrease based on somebody else's inability to see your worth whether you have this disease or not and uh, if you can get to that point where you're not running away from people's judgment it doesn't matter if you can put yourself in a position to really uh, uh, understand that it really doesn't matter what they think It just matters what you think and how effective you feel you're doing. So education is very important in terms of diabetes. And the anger that comes from uh, the judgment of it is very normal. So it's always important to understand that anger is healthy. Anger is very healthy. It's when it's out of control and not dealt with. Uh, healthfully, then it is a problem. And so there are amazing doctors and diabetes educators out there that actually get it and come from a place of compassion. But uh, by and large, people with diabetes do experience being judged, hassled, scolded, embarrassed uh, for their self-care or their lack of. And um, and it keeps them actually from going to the doctor in the way they should, as often as they should. And this is not a great outcome for them. So uh, the key in this situation is really understanding and treating diabetes, making sure you you understand and treat it. Uh, And also, you want to make sure that your behavior is in check as well. So understand that uh, anger is actually very normal. It doesn't matter you know, in what the situation, but as uh, uh, I think as Dr. Bernard mentioned earlier, it's important to take stock when you get angry, and it becomes a habit to do that. And so I always say, as he mentioned, to definitely pause. When you get angry, acknowledge it. Pause for 10 seconds, because this creates a space between uh, the incident, what happened, and how you're feeling. And... In between that space right there, you you are using your prefrontal cortex. I can't speak tonight. (laughs) Your prefrontal cortex, your executive function of your brain. That's very important for rational behavior. I
0: love it. All right, well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show too to talk about this topic is because you're the author of the book How to Fight Fat Flammation. And when I was doing my research, I found out a new study finds that repeated episodes of aggression and temper tantrums and road rage and domestic abuse and throwing or breaking objects is inflammation that those two things might be linked and i wanted to find out your feelings on this because i know you did a lot of research on inflammation and that's what the book a lot of your book is about i'm curious to know if you ever kind of heard about this link between inflammation and anger and uh what are your thoughts
5: Yes, yeah, so while it's true that out of control anger can cause more harm than good, note i note I mentioned out of control anger that 's only part of the story. so always know that anger can help you assert and protect yourself it can help you to mobilize yourself to take good care of yourself with diabetes and uh, no matter what the scenario in fact but um and also, as I mentioned, make sure that you know anger is completely normal but as tempting as it might be to repress our anger, um, or not doing so, if you're suppressing it, can have negative health consequences. So, first, studies have found that suppressing anger can have health effects. No surprise there, that are tied to increased pain, anxiety, depression, and da 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 low-level inflammation. Okay. And research also shows, as you mentioned, that uh low level inflammation can cause anger. so it makes sense when you when you think about uh, stress can cause inflammation, inflammation can cause stress. We now know depression is an inflammatory-related disease and or condition, and um, this is a very important point because low-level inflammation is the core cause of most illness, disease, faster aging, and even weight gain. So we don't want to suppress our anger, and yet we also want to take steps to reverse low-level inflammation in the body. And when I say low-level inflammation in the body, I'm talking about uh, inflammation that's a very low-level amount of inflammatory molecules Okay, that are within the body that are creating these conditions with our health. And it's like having a sore on the inside of your body that never heals, resulting in diseases like heart disease, cancer, diabetes, for example, um, obesity. Those types of health conditions are created from low level inflammation.
0: Wow. So really ta- tackling that could really help you tackle the anger or vice versa. I mean it's it's understanding again mm-hmm. what you guys you and Dr. Bernard Golden were talking about about becoming more self-aware, taking some inventory, but also looking at the connection maybe physical with emotional with mental and putting it all together.
5: Right, and when you start taking care of, you want to acknowledge that you're angry, you want to um, follow the steps in Dr. Bernard's book to mitigate the anger and create a habit of uh, preventing anger from ruling your life, and then you also want to reverse the low-level inflammation in your body to prevent angry outbursts. You know, research has shown that people with uh, uh, chronic Anger uh, disorders actually have high levels of inflammation in the body, so if we can actually take steps to reduce inflammation, we're good to go.
0: Great, all right, well, thank you, Dr. Lori Shemick for You're being on the show tonight. Make sure to check out her book, "How to Fight Inflammation. We'll be posting it on our diabetic blog, and I'll be following you on Twitter.
6: Thank you <laughs> it up, the same everybody. Is true.
0: We're going to have our Diva Roundtable with a woman living with type 1 diabetes and a woman living with type 2 diabetes. But first, let's go back to our throwback diva. Did you know that Evelyn Champagne King's original childhood nickname was Bubbles and her mother came up with the idea of transforming that to Champagne? I love that. I think that's amazing. Right before her Gold Plus debut album, Smooth Talk, came out. Let's hear another cut called Bet She's She Don't Love You from Evelyn Champagne King. Just see the love. Back to Diabetes Late Night It's Mr. Diva Better It's time to meet Two of our divas Who are helping us out tonight Talking about anger and diabetes The first one I'd like to meet you uh, Meet, introduce you to Is, is um, Excuse me everyone <laughs> I'm just losing it tonight Laura Laria Has been living with Type 1 diabetes For over 40 years And she also runs An anger management group At an agency For substance abuse Please welcome back To the show Laura Hi Laura Good morning. And, yes, it's time to meet a wonderful woman. Uh, she's so inspirational. She lost 100 pounds after being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And, Laura, you're going to love this. She actually home. went on to compete in, a Miss, in the Mrs. Idaho Beauty Pageant in 2010. Please welcome Jill, Woolsey, Na, Jill knapp Woolsey, to the show. Hello, Jill. Hello. <laughs> All right. So we're ta- we're tackling anger and diabetes. I want to tackle it from two different types of, of divas, uh, Laura and Jill. Laura, I want to start with you because I knew you heard a lot about what's going on and you actually counsel a lot of people on substance abuse around anger management. Obviously, over 40 years, I would assume you've had your own issues with anger. Can you talk a little bit about that?
7: Absolutely. I just want to sh- shout out to all of the diabetics, our wonderful guests, and, and always you, Max, for putting this together. Um, definitely on my diagnosis, I will never forget at the age of 10 when my pediatrician told me that I was no longer allowed to have Twinkies. And so I believe now, in you know, being a counselor in addiction and the disease of addiction, there are a lot of parallels, and being denied something having someone tell you you no longer are able to do something or or have something that you desire promotes a lot of anger. And that, I think, I encountered so young, not understanding something that I loved to eat that I was no longer allowed to eat. And not really being explained much in 1976, and eating lettuce, tomatoes, uh Everything being measured. It wasn't fun anymore. Parties, you weren't allowed to have cake, and, you know, Carb County was non existent at that point. So I can say that it started very young and through my adolescent years. And by the age of 21, 22, I outgrew it. And to date, I could never say I hate diabetes. I really don't. It's, I've encountered so many wonderful people, and the road that it has led me to help others and meet other wonderful people with diabetes.
0: All right. Thank you for sharing that. Now, Jill, your story is slightly different with type 2 diabetes. You were diagnosed later in life, but we're hearing a lot about this food and, 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 the pro, and feeling prohibited from eating certain types of food. I'm sure that comes along in your story at some point. So how, how did you deal with anger and diabetes? And, and tell us a little bit about your weight loss journey.
8: Okay, well, you know, when I was first diagnosed, I was living kind of a life that my own identity was gone. I was mom and wife. I don't think I knew who Jill was anymore, so I was in a really dark place. And when I got that diagnosis, I was, like, in shock because growing up, all I did was take care of myself. I was a professional dancer um, in California Um, I was in a dance company for years, so I watched what I eat. I took good care of myself. But my mom died right when I got married. My brother was diagnosed with a very serious illness. My uncle died. My dear friend Aaron died. This is all before I got married. And then three weeks later, I got married. So those are huge, life-changing things. And I think I just turned to food. And so I started comfort eating and I don't think I realized it at the time. Um, And then I had a miscarriage six months later, and I don't think I ever really addressed my mom's death yet. So I did a lot of comfort eating, and I just kept on putting on the weight. So slowly but surely, I lost my identity on who Jill was, and I put on a ton of weight. And after my third was born at 37 years old, I just was feeling lousy. He was born sick, so I kept on saying, oh, my increased thirst is because I'm nursing. I'm extremely exhausted because I'm taking care of a sick baby. Um, But then my husband's a physical therapist and kept on saying, you need to stay, you know, get out of denial. Something's not right. Um, Honey, go to the doctor. And I finally did. You know, I finally gave in. And went in and he sent me home with a blood monitor and um, started doing meter testing. And sure enough, those numbers were way in the 300s. And it was a shocking diagnosis. I don't know that I was angry at first. I was definitely in shock and sad. (laughs) Like, how the heck did I get here? But with the transformation and everything through the years when I would hit Plateaus and not budge. The scale wouldn't budge, no matter how hard I was working at it and making my numbers perfect and being the perfect patient. That's when I felt anger. I, I just, ooh, I would be so angry. Like, how did I get this? And why do I have this? And I'm doing all I can, and the numbers are not moving. But then I learned to... Okay, wait, before
0: you do that, this is a cliffhanger, because you're going to tell us how you got past Ah, that weight loss plateau when you're angry. But I'm going to throw it back to Laura for a minute so people could get excited. Uh, You've dealt with some some complications. I know you've dealt with some vision loss regarding your diabetes. I would think that would make you a little angry at times. Um, I'm wondering, like... You know, because we we for the last two months on the podcast we were talking about diabetes complications and spotlighting music by P.M. Dawn and a tribe called Quest because both of the frontmen from both of those groups uh, were living with complications. So I'm curious, like, uh, tell us a little bit about the vision loss so people get a little background on it, and then I, I'm I would just like to know how you dealt with any emotions related to that that might have been angry might have been anger.
7: Well, it was 24 years ago that I lost my vision and I had ret- ha- have retinopathy, and they did an operation called vitrectomy in both eyes. And as an artist and a designer, I went to FIT and I was an art director and so on. Having that diagnosis and my retina was detached in my right eye, losing that independence was probably the toughest thing in my life. However, that was also the juncture where my dog was smoking cigarettes for many, many years, and I, I stopped smoking cigarettes 24 years ago, cold turkey. But that was the juncture where my surgeon said, you know, smoking cigarettes is also constricting your blood vessels, especially the micro ones. And I made a decision to smoke that weekend, a lot of cigarettes, and I quit. And I also stopped going out for a while, And I stopped drinking, and to date, that surgery has proven 24 years to have sustained my vision. But the initial loss, I was very angry because of what I did. I was out of work for a year recuperating. You had to sit up 90 degrees in bed to recuperate. And as an art director, it was very tough not being able to work productively and not go out. So there was a lot uh, going on. I isolated myself for a little bit. But then as it healed, I was able to pursue going back to work, and my life somewhat changed and you know modified, and I was able to cope with it.
0: All right. Thank you for sharing that. And, I, and we're going to be blogging more about that because I know this is an issue that people are talking about at Diva, we want to do more around – Uh, vision loss and diabetes and talking more about that back to you though jill because um i know it's quite not the same but you were here you are getting your life back together you're in the middle of this weight loss journey and it just stops we've all been there uh it is hard when you're trying to do everything right and nothing seems to be working how do you get past a weight loss uh plateau and and how did you get past it and go on to lose a hundred pounds
8: well, you know, I my anger would be in small um, spurts. So I would just be angry and frustrated, but I would take that energy and go work out harder. And so I would journal my food and journal my feelings and exercise even more instead of stirring in that anger. And so my anger actually ended up being
7: productive. But
8: even though the actual plateau may have lasted, you know, weeks at a time, I would not stew in that anger for very long. I would, I would feel angry, but I would be doing stuff to prevent me going the opposite way of where I wanted to go. So it was, anger can be good in some ways. And that's kind of what I wanted to stress tonight, is you have to find out what your tool would be. And mine was like journaling. I journaled a lot. I wrote down the feelings and frustration and anger I was having. And so I wouldn't feed it. I wouldn't eat it. And gain weight, I would actually end up, you know, it take like three weeks, but then, you know, five pounds would come off real quick. And you're like, oh. And so, yeah, it's it's anger is an interesting thing. And it can be beneficial. So you have to... Find your where your anger sits because if we're angry too long, we're gonna go backwards. We're definitely not gonna be able to take the steps forward to be productive. And so you need to channel your anger in a direction that's hopefully in the right way. Of course, there's not always those times that I did channel it in the right way and I would overeat and give in. And it wouldn't last more than a day, but then there's And then you're angry at yourself for doing that. So that's a whole nother anger, you know.
6: Um, okay, so great. You-
0: well, we're going to channel some anger right now and play some games because <laughs> that's what I'm known for. So, Jill, you're in the hot seat tonight for our Diva Better Games to help raise awareness in a fun new way. I know you competed okay. in a swimsuit competition for Mrs. Idaho, so I'm, I'm assuming this will be a lot easier, by the way. <laughs> okay. I all right, so, here so. Is, this is what we're going to play two games tonight. We have both our educators on the line, Susan and Patricia. Say hello again. Hi. Uh, Hi. Okay, they're there. Um, you could use them if you need to. Our first game, okay. if you get it right, you'll win the prize. And in our second game, if you get it right, one of our instant winners from the Diabetic Facebook community will win the prize, and Laura will be there to help you on the second one. Okay, so our first game features a question all about the pancreas. Most of us know that our pancreas sits across the back of our abdomen, just behind our stomach. Yeah, right. Does everyone know that? I'm I'm curious. Uh, (laughs) But they don't seem to know the size. So tonight your question is, how big is your pancreas? Is it four inches long, six inches long, eight inches long, or ten inches long?
8: Oh, ouch. I don't know the exact size, so this is guessing, but how do I get help?
0: You could phone a friend. You could call either. <laughs> you could ask Laura. Actually, well, let's ask Laura. Okay. <laughs> Laura. Yes. You uh, rang? How How big is your pancreas, Jill? Your new friend wants to know. This is for the prize. Uh,
7: you said okay. It's definitely not four. It's not. It's uh it, four, it,
0: six, it, eight, or ten.
7: I, I believe it's. I believe it's I eight. Well,
3: let me just let me just give you a little hint. Well, so this- men,
7: men and women have different size
3: organs as well. Is that correct? <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too.
0: <laughs> Wait, that let's go I to know Susan my Susan Weiner, what did you want to say?
3: So I was going to say, if you're trying to guess how big your pancreas is, and you have a ruler, it's about half the size of a foot-long ruler. You want to take another guess?
6: Six inches. There you go. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs>
0: Susan, do, what does the pancreas do, Susan? Uh, what does it do?
3: Well, people who have diabetes already know that their pancreases are kaput in a lot of circumstances, and they're not producing the insulin through those through those beta cells. So, the pancreas is actually a very important part of our digestive our digestive systems, and it's a critical controller of our blood sugar levels because it helps to, the beta cells of the pancreas produce insulin. In type 2 diabetes, over time, beta cell destruction continues, which is why even when you do follow um, some of the guidelines for your self-care management, your blood sugars may rise over time and your treatment plan may change. And in type 1 diabetes, which we know is an autoimmune disease, your pancreas is making little, and then eventually no insulin. So you may need insulin from an outside source with type 2 diabetes, but you need it as a lifeline um, with type 1 diabetes all the time.
0: Great. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So um, I hate to say it, Jill, but you got that <laughs> one wrong. But we're a friendly okay, community, so, and so sister now sister it's time wrong? to play – it's time. It came out to six inches, but you and Laura went with eight initially before we brought Susan in. And then we discussed,
7: you know, uh, okay. gender or gender gender differences as well.
0: Yes, we, and we will discuss that later on Facebook. Okay, so ladies, it's time for our instant winner game. Last Thursday, I posted tonight's game quiz on our DivaBedic Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Pinterest feeds, and fifty people got the answer right, so they are automatically entered into our instant winner random drawing tonight. You're going to choose which one may win the prize jill. You need to guess a number between one and 50. Oh.
8: Um, I will guess. Pick
0: a number. 17.:
8: 17. 17.
0: Ryan from Twitter could win tonight. Oh, my he entered from our Twitter feed. So, Ryan, if you're listening, you could be the instant winner if Laura and Jill get this answer right. Remember, both of you will have to come up with one answer that we will submit to the judges, which will be Patricia and Susan, and then we'll determine if Ryan's going to be a winner. Uh, but before we okay, so we're gonna read the question first, and then we're gonna play a song.
6: <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs>
0: to play the song. I, I love Evelyn Champagne King listeners. If you don't understand that by now, just pick up the record and watch me dance. All right. So people with diabetes should keep their blood sugar. I mean, excuse me. People with diabetes should keep their blood pressure at a less than 150 over 90. B less than 140 over 90. See Less Than 130 Over 80. Don't answer yet because I want to play, I just think this is the best song ever from Evelyn Champagne. Thank you, Evelyn. I agree. It's time for the two of you to make up your mind. We're playing along with our instant winner quiz tonight. Uh, here's the question, ladies. People with diabetes should keep their blood sugar within what range? Less than 100, uh, blood pressure within what range? Less than 150 over 90? Less than 140 over 80? Less than 130 over 80? Uh, Jill and Laura, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to talk about it and come back with the answer. Start
7: okay. 130 over 80 is my guess.
0: And that's exactly what
7: I was going to say. And that was that's easy. Are,
0: <laughs> you're going to say, "Are you same?" Is that the final answer?
7: That's the yes. final answer, Judge.
0: We have an instant winner. You just won a prize for Ryan. But first, let's hear a little bit about blood pressure from Patricia Addy Gentle. Okay.
4: Very good job. Blood pressure actually measures the resistance of the blood flow in the vessels, and so. When the pressure is extremely high, it causes organ damage, and it can lead to uh, a diagnosis, of course, of hypertension, but it leads to strokes, heart attacks, and other vessel damage. But uh, the 130 over 80 is where you want to keep it if you have diabetes especially. Um, Anything lower than that, Um, would be good, but you want to keep it at at least no higher than 130 over 80 in order to prevent the organ damage and breakdown of your um, uh, vascular circulatory
0: system. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, ladies, thank you for playing along tonight with our Diabetic Games and helping us raise awareness in a fun new way. Ryan, if you're listening, you're going to get a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a cabbage Cheese gift basket filled with an assortment of delicious, delicious low-fat cheeses, and Dr. Greenfield's Diabetes Lotions and Products, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin. Uh, we're going to play one more Evelyn Champagne King, then we're going to talk to Mama Rosemarie and then we'll have all the divas back on to tell us a little bit about what they thought of tonight's show. And we're t- once again talking about diabetes and anger. It's time for one of my favorite Evelyn Champagne King songs Your Personal Touch. Get my love, your person, your personal touch. Podcast Mama Rosemary.
9: Hello, Mama Rosemary. Good evening, Max. It's always a pleasure to be here. I'm fine, thank you. It's such a pleasure being with you every month. And I have a wonderful tip this month, very timely since we've all been suffering with a very hot summer, whether it's up north or down south. And my tip is about properly storing your insulin during the sweltering heat of the summer. Whether you are lounging at the beach or just running errands, it's very important not to expose your insulin to temperatures over 86 degrees for any length of time. I recommend an insulin case or a cooler with a freezeable gel pack, or use a, cook, a cooling wallet. A cooling wallets are available through many diabetes supply companies. It keeps your insulin vials, pens, and pumps cool at a very safe temperature without the need for refrigeration or ice. And that is my, one of my favorite tips, especially for this hot summer. So with this, I'm going to say until next month, ciao for now.
0: I love it. Thank you, Mom, for being on the show, Susan Weiner. We're wrapping up uh, organizing diabetes. You just heard my mom talk about insulin and storage during the summer, and you were mentioning uh, you were just talking about insulin regarding the pancreas when we played the first game. I'm curious, like, do you find that most of your patients are taking care of their insulin during these hot months, or do you feel that's something people aren't aware of?
3: We definitely discuss the importance of traveling with cooling packs, and they don't have to be ones with diabetes labels attached to them, whatever you're comfortable um, traveling with. And insulin doesn't need to be refrigerated. It just needs to stay at the proper temperature. So cooling packs, if you're out in extreme heat, is very important. And don't forget, during the winter months, keeping your insulin out of frozen temperatures, like keeping it in a car when it might be freezing temperatures, is, is a problem as well. So yes, we discuss ways to pack when you're traveling, what to bring with you, how to how to store your insulin and how to bring along your testing supplies, your blood sugar checking supplies, as well as healthy snacks. So it's all part of being prepared before you venture out on your journey, not worrying about it once you leave the front door.
0: Great advice. All right, Jill, you're in the hot seat. You competed in a swimsuit competition after being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and losing 100 pounds in front of an audience of friends, family, and strangers. What was it like?
8: You know, that was interesting. It was hard to get up there in a swimsuit after being so overweight. For so long, you're in that body of being the overweight person. When you look in the mirror, you don't see the thin person. You still mm-hmm. see the overweight person. So I never never saw myself as the thin person, but when I actually see pictures, it's different. So it was very nerve-wracking, but I also felt um, a lot of – I was proud of myself for the accomplishment I made and that my whole um, – like the other girl said, that diabetes is—it's not the it's not the bad thing in my life now. It's actually it'll bring me to tears, but it's brought me a lot of blessings. And so um, it stemmed from that whole entire journey. Uh, it helped me find who I am again, and now being an advocate and being able to share my journey with others, inspire others to change it really has been this huge blessing. So the swimsuit was a good thing, but it was hard to get up there on that stage in that swimsuit.
0: <laughs> oh, I bet. And Lorraine Brooks, your poem really helped uh, move the whole show forward on a, and took it to a whole new level tonight. you noticed people throughout the show were talking about it. I'm just curious, uh, hearing the discussion tonight, what you thought of tonight's podcast.
1: Well, Matt, as usual, I appreciate you and everything you do. And I thought that uh, everybody had a lot to add. I enjoyed the two doctors you had on uh, talking about um, how to deal with your anger more, more, more in a more healthy way and more effectively. And um, I always loved listening to Susan Greenberg wiener She's one of my favorite people. And uh, everybody had, um, uh, I thought, a very positive message. And, I appreciate uh, you letting me be a part of this. I, I'm so proud to be one of the divas.
0: Well, and you're going to be a part of next month because Susan, Patricia, Mama Rosemary, Mo- Lorraine Brooks, Peter Arpricella, Asher Brown, Catherine Schuler, and Tanya Cappies are all going to be part of our Murder Mystery <laughs> podcast. I hope everyone turns, tunes in on September, I believe, 13th for that Um special edition of Diabetes Late Night when we do our Diabetes Mystery Theater. Um, In the meantime, I want to thank all my guests for being on the show tonight. Please subscribe to our Diabetes... Wow, I'm just losing it, everybody. Please subscribe to our DivaBetic e-newsletter at divabetic.org and visit DivaBetic's Facebook pages and videos for DivaBetic's YouTube channel. Plus, you could be an instant winner. Just take, have some fun on Thursdays and play our instant winner game on our Facebook page. Um, it's, just go to DivaBetic. There's a group and also a, a fan page, and I post it on both. And then I take – if you get it right, you go into the random drawing. And don't forget to join me Friday – this Friday, August 12th in Harlem for the celebration of, of the 35-year the anniversary of the release of Luther Vandross's first album, Never Too Much. I'll be doing all those trivia games up there, too. It should be a lot of fun. Remember, every diva and every dude has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's have a happy, healthy day today. And keep get up and move with me to one of my... All time favorite songs. I said that all night, but I really do enjoy Evelyn Champagne King, and I hope she motivates you to move a little bit more during these uh, summer months. <music>